ladies, it's Brittany Brazel. The Lord has given me a passion for motherhood and homemaking. From that passion, a ministry has birthed no higher calling. There is no higher calling on my life than to be wife to Simeon and mama to my littles. I still have so much to learn, but as I continue to grow, it is my desire to share the truths God is teaching me. Hey ladies, welcome back to the No Higher Calling podcast. Today's episode is a fun one. We are going to be chatting about the challenge that our family has taken this year, which is to spend 1,000 hours outside. Um, Now, I don't know if you've seen on Instagram or anything, but this is kind of like becoming a whole movement. Um, There is a lady named Jenny who kind of launched this, I guess, probably years ago. Um, but she has been challenging families to get outside more, to get in nature more, to enjoy um, spending time together outdoors more. And in efforts to do that, she launched the Thousand Hour Outside Challenge. Um, So we have been plugging away at that all year now. Um, And here we are almost at the end of the year. So I thought that I would just kind of give an update on the challenge and uh, how it's went for us. I know I've posted kind of along the way some things, some different milestones as we've hit different hours. Um, and people have asked me different questions on, um, you know, well, what is it, what is out, what do you count as outside time? Or, you know, who has to be outside? And um, all these different questions. So I thought I'd just kind of let you know what it looks like for us and uh, introduce you to this idea if you have not heard of it. Um, because if you're looking for things in the new year that you want to set as a goal for your family, um, this is a great one. It has stretched us big time. A thousand hours is a lot of hours. Um, we have been outside way, way more than we would have if I had not been tracking this. And you know, that really was my goal in the beginning. When I started this, goodness, back before we even left the States, so this was early January of 2023, I was talking with a friend and, you know, I told her, I said, if we hit the thousand, then that's amazing and we will celebrate. I really did not foresee us really even coming close to that, just knowing how much we had been outside up to that point. Um, But I told her, I said, if nothing else... Taking the challenge, I think, will spur me to be more conscious of getting outside more. And I know that that is only going to be good for our family. So we're going to take the challenge and just see where it leads us. Well, fast forward almost a year later, and we're getting close to our 1,000 hours. Um, Now, I will go ahead and tell you, this episode comes out mid-December um, as you're listening to it. And right now it is the end of November and I am batch recording really all of my episodes uh, from here till mid-February trying to get the podcast lined up so that when my baby comes, I can just sit back and chill and level my newborn and uh, not feel like I need to be recording all of the time. Um, so... It's coming out a little earlier than I would have liked to give you an official update of where we are at on our tracking, Um, but I will just tell you where we're at right now at the end of November. So we are sitting at about 910 hours, Um, and we've got, you know, 90 hours to go, but we still have a good week of November left and about a month of December, and it's our summer here, so that it helps so much. We get outside a lot more in the warm weather. Um, so we are 
projecting that we are definitely going to hit this 1,000 hours. Um, so we're, we're really excited. I'm trying to figure out what exactly are we going to do to celebrate. The end of the year also falls with Christmas and New Year's and having a new baby, a lot of other celebrations. So it may not be anything major, um, but just the fact that I think, you know, my kids know we've, we've been working on this all year together. Um, so the fact that we could just look at one another and be like, we did it. We were outside for a thousand hours this year. Um, I think is just going to be cool in and of itself, just because it's been something that as a family, we've been really working towards. And, uh, so I'm really excited. So let me just answer a few questions about the challenge, about how we do it. Um, and then I'll talk about the why here in just a few minutes. Okay, so down in the comments, there is the website for the 1,000-hour um, website and uh, the link for the website. And if you go on there, they have all kinds of printable trackers that you can download. I had done that. Then we moved and I lost it and we weren't keeping up with it. Um, so I paid the like $2, I think it was. And um, just got their app. There's a thousand hours outside app. And really, it's great. It's super simple, which is what I wanted. I only wanted it to do what I wanted it to do, um, which is just have a little button that you hit when you go outside. And then you press stop when you come inside. And you can track all of your hours um, on the calendar. And it is, it does have a nice feature. If you forget to start tracking when you go outside with the little like timer button, you can go back and just manually input your time. Um, but it tracks it monthly. So you can see each month how much time you're spending outside. And then it also tracks towards your cumulative goal of a thousand hours. And then throughout, you know, once you hit 100, 200, 300, all those milestones, um, it'll give you a little badge that you unlock and you can easily share that to social media. So that's kind of what we've been doing along the way, sharing those. Um, but that's an easy way to track it. Uh, just having that right there on my phone, I just try to start and stop it when we're out and about or go back and at the end of the day, plug in the hours that we were outside. Now, a lot of people ask me, okay, what counts as outside time? And I think this is going to kind of look different for everybody. I know the lady that um, came up with this whole thing said that somebody asked her that one time and they were like, you know, what if we're like driving down the road and our windows are open in our car? Does that count as outside time? Um, you know, so everybody's going to have their own version of what is outside. Um, but we just see it as anytime we are all, well, not all, let me, I'll get there in a minute. Anytime we are like out outside. Um, so if we're playing in the backyard, if we're at a park, if we're at the zoo, um, we were able to rack up a lot of hours when we went camping. Hey, we camped outside. I considered being in a tent, being outside. I mean, that, that felt like outside to me. <laughs> so we just counted the whole camping trip. Uh, we were outside the entire like four days. So that really, really helped us um, as we're wrapping up this year, uh, boost those hours to get us closer to the thousand. We went camping about a month ago. Um, so that was fun. But really just any time that we are outside, Another thing that I've really been conscious about that I don't think I would have so much if we weren't doing this challenge is um, in the mornings, we have set up a little area out under our back patio where we do school outside. Um, so, so many of those hours, you know, it looked like, hey, we're spending five, six hours a day outside. Um, a lot of that time was our actual school day. Um, so, you know, the first three hours, two and a half, three hours, our, our school day, our read alouds. Um, and then, you know, the second half was just the kids having fun and playing. Um, but that was another way that we were able to rack up a lot of hours is just transitioning school from being inside at the dining room table to outside on our back open patio. 
Now, another question that I get is, okay, well, does the entire family have to be outside for it to count? What does that look like? So this, again, can vary. But for us, just in this current season, I just counted it any time my children were outside and not necessarily even all of them at the same time. Now, the majority of those hours, the, all four of them have been outside playing. Um, but like sometimes in the afternoon, if my little ones are napping and the older two are outside, I count it. I go ahead and put it in as hours that were spent outside. Um, so it's not like I can say that our family unit collectively has been outside for 1,000 hours this year. Um, but a portion of our family has been outside a total of 1,000 hours this year. So that's just what it needed to look like in this season. And, and I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm, I'm totally content um, to call that good. Uh, but that's kind of how we've been tracking it, how it's been looking. And like I said, we, we are close to the end. We are wrapping this up. Um, but the benefits from it have just been been so, so good. And um, I'm going to read some different, really just staggering statistics that I found as I was preparing for this episode on like, why? Why get your kids outside? Why is it so important? Why this emphasis of all the other things that are pulling at our time and at our schedules? Um, why carve out outside time? Um, and so I'm just going to kind of transition into talking about some statistics and that'll really give some why behind it. Um, and hopefully that'll give you kind of just a clearer picture of, of really the heart behind the whole movement of being outside for a thousand hours. Uh, first, I'm going to read a quote that, um, Jenny from a thousand hours outside said, that I thought was really good. She said, we found that if we spread these four to six hour chunks out over a few days, shooting for roughly 20 hours a week, it would take us to averaging about 1,000 hours of outside activity a year. That seems insane. Maybe we get it. But did you know that the average American child spends 1,200 hours a year in front of screens? Now that seems insane to us, but hey, we get it. Parenting is hard and sometimes those screams seem like such a welcome reprieve from the chaos. We certainly are not militant about it and we don't take a no screens ever or you will surely die approach either. But we would quite vehemently argue that nature, big, beautiful, bountiful nature, is the absolute and very best reprieve for you and your children. Honestly, they don't even compare. And really that's what our family has, has found. Um, this year of taking this challenge of having a thousand hours outside is also the first year that we have been TV free in our home. Now that does not mean that we don't watch things from time to time. I mean, we have phones, we have laptops, we have ways of, you know, watching a show or putting on a movie or whatever if we want to. Um, but the culture of our home has changed in the aspect of we do not have a TV screen in it. Um, that being said, screen time has decreased significantly in our home. Um, and I heard a very wise person say one time, when you take something away, you need to fill that void. And really outside time has done that for us. Um, instead of in the afternoons when I'm trying to make dinner, my kids sitting in front of a TV watching a movie, they're outside playing in the backyard which it's nice. You know, I have little kids. It's another question that I've been asked. It's like, well, how can you just let your little kids go and play like that? We do have a fenced in backyard here in Australia, which it is so much smaller 
than our yard in the States. And then there's a part of my heart that misses the freedom that they had um, to just run and play in nature that we had in the States. Uh, We're definitely more in suburbia here. But having the fence has given a different sense of freedom. It's given them more independent play. Whereas I don't feel like I have to like be sitting out there, you know, making sure they stay in their boundaries. They know their boundaries and they can't get past them. Um, it's also really nice that the way our house is set up, um, the kitchen area is in the back of the house. And we have huge windows and big glass screen doors that show right out into the yard. So they can be outside and I'm inside cooking, but I can see them. So it's just, it's really worked out great um, to, again, help rack up some of those hours with giving them independent fun playtime while mommy's trying to get some things wrapped up in the house. Um, But anyway, talking about that just coinciding with the the no screen time and uh, being outside more, I have seen that. Um, And I have seen my children become so much more creative in their play. Um, It's helping work on um, like sibling relationships. Now, it does not always feel like it is headed in the right direction. Um, You know, more more playtime, more interactive time versus, you know, and having the less screen time does bring up a lot more conflict than we had before. Because, you know, in one sense, they were just sitting watching something. They weren't, you know, working through problems. They weren't trying to play together. They weren't, you know, having discussions of who gets to be the queen and who gets to be the servant and all of those things. Um, Whereas now, you know, they are because they're outside, they're role playing, they're doing all these things, they're having imaginative play. Um, So sometimes it feels like, oh my goodness, let's just get along. Um, but it, it is good. It's good. And I need to remember as the mother that all of the squabbling, all of the sibling rivalry and issues and all of that, um, really is an opportunity to help teach them and instruct them in things that they're going to have to have for the rest of their lives. They're going to have to know how to get along with other people, how to have conflict resolution, how to play with each other. Um, and then even just on, on the basic level of just the the like the physical aspect of being outside it's so good for them their bodies I have just seen in the past year their their strength has significantly increased um you know whereas they used to not be able to swing on the monkey bars like they're going all the way across now and like more than that they they swing across and then they climb into the cubby house and the next thing I know they're like trying to climb up on the roof and I'm like over the fence I'm like guys whoa okay let's slow down a little bit um but their confidence has really soared um again I've talked about their creativity a little bit that's more a little bit more of mental development um but even with their physical development you know, we try to go barefoot when we can. Um, here in Australia, we have this plant that produces these little thing called bendies. And it's basically like a miniature sea urchin. <laughs> and, uh, they're not too painful if they're like living and green. But if they dry, if our yard gets dry, which it gets very dry in Australia, they, they become like a very prickly hard sea urchin. So sometimes we've got to put on socks and shoes. Um, but they're often running around in, you know, barefoot in the yard and climbing and playing in their water table. And it's just, it's good for them physically to get that exercise, um, to get those, you know, work on their balance, work on 
there climbing, um, work on there. You know, I've, I've even seen some different things recently about swinging, how the swinging and even doing some of the things that we as moms cringe of like, you know, how they twist all up on the swing and then they want you to push them while they untwist. And we're like, please don't fall and break your head. Like that's, you know, insurance and hospital bills and all these things. Um, but it, it, it's good for them. It helps them with their equilibrium and with all of those developmental things. So I've just seen so much growth in that area. Um, and, and it's just been a joy to see. And we've had a really uh, renewed emphasis in our family culture on being outside because this has been such kind of a, a key goal as a whole. Um, you know, obviously Simeon isn't home with me with the kids, like he isn't home with the kids like I am home with the kids. So most of those outside hours are lumped in with mama. Um, but because it's such a part of something that the kids and I are working towards, you know, he hears about it. He sees it when he's home. He's outside with them too. Um, and so that has bled over into our family culture. And we've really developed a new appreciation for being outside, for being in nature. We've tried to be more observant. I think because we're spending so much time outside, we're noticing things more. We're noticing the bugs and the flowers and the trees. And, you know, a part of that is just that we're in a new land and we have totally new species of things that we've never seen before. So there's a whole uh, unique, like, enamorment and curiosity. We have snails here that are just ginormous and oh, my kids love them. And little Knox, he will just put them on his arm and let them crawl all over. And, you know, he's got this long trail of slime up his arm and I am just cringing inside. You know, I, I was not the outdoor girl. I actually have come a very, very long way. When I was a child, I hated to be outside. Like my parents had to force me to be outside. And then when I did go outside, I think I just kind of like sat on the concrete stairs of our house. Um, I thought I was allergic to grass. I just, I, I did not want anything to do with outside. I was an indoor girl. Um, you know, then I, I got, I started getting older and got out like, okay, hiking on like a paved trail is doable as long as I don't have to touch anything. Um, then Simeon, I, you know, met him and we kind of started, okay, well, we like to kayak and some different things. I love water. I love being at the beach. That was, a, that's a whole different thing. Like I, I enjoy that aspect of being outside, but like touching nature was, mm. Um, but then I had kids and I started realizing that one, they're not like me. They love being outside. And two, I realized that I really wanted them to love being outside. Some of these statistics I'm going to share here in just a minute, um, the evidence for the impact that surrounding a child in nature and letting them have this free play and letting them um, just be free and enjoy all of these things, enjoy God's creation. And like on a, on a, on a personal level, I mean, hands in the dirt, eyes down looking, you know, observing these little bugs. Really, when I started realizing the potential for spiritual growth in, in viewing creation, that really changed my aspect on it. Because when I started looking for God and for ways that I could introduce an amazing creator to my children, 
I realized nature is like one of the best places to go. I mean, I think that might be why God created young ones so intrigued by the world he has made is because, you know, when they come into this world, they have that innate, you know, uh, the the conscience and the creation and, and all of that. But really, as parents, we have the opportunity to be their first introduction to God on so many levels. Um, And I loved the aspect of just using creation as another tool that God has given us to open their eyes to the wonder of an amazing creator. So once all of that started happening, I was like, okay, we'll embrace this more. And now I love being outside. I mean, so much so that it it is a foundational pillar of our family culture and of what we do. And when we're choosing an adventure day, um, 99% of the time, it's going to be outside. We're going to be hiking. We're going to be, um, you know, out in the woods doing something, having a picnic, um, you know, something like that. Uh, whereas, you know, that, 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 I've, like I said, I've just come a really long way, <laughs> but, um, all that to say, okay. So I, so I think a rabbit trailed with the snails, all that to say, I'm still not to the point where I want to let snails crawl up my arms. Like my kids know there there's a line you don't cross with mom. Mom will sit there and look with you and we will discuss and we will talk about how amazing and cool that creature is, but you don't bring it in the house. It's not going to become our pet on the inside of the home. Um, and mom is more than likely not going to want to touch it. Uh, so you touch it to your heart's content, but mom doesn't want to touch it. Um, so anyway, that's a little bit of my background with outside, but I want to share here at the end, just some statistics that I was reading as I was preparing for this episode and thinking about this topic. Why is it so important that we get our kids outside? Um, you know, why, why is that even a topic that we have to talk about? Cause you'll see as I go through some of these statistics, you know, 50, 60, 70 years ago, kids were outside. Like it was the norm. Um, and I think there are just with the advancement of technology and busy schedules, there are so many other factors that draw kids into an indoor environment more than there were decades ago. Um, you know, it used to be when you came home from school at the end of the day, like you had nothing better to do than go and ride your bike around the neighborhood or go play in the backyard. Um, whereas there's a lot more different draws on our attention and our time these days. Um, but I think it is so important. I love really this renewed emphasis that I'm seeing in some different people that I follow in different communities and different books that I've read on we've got to get our kids back outside. There's so many good reasons for that. Um, so let me just share some of this stats information. I, I find statistics very, very interesting. Um, I feel like it just really adds a strong anchor to what I'm trying to say. If you say like, okay, these are the numbers, this is the why, this is so important, then it's kind of like, oh, okay, well, it gives validity to what she's saying. So anyway, let's just go through some of this information and hopefully it'll help kind of bring together my point. But I came across a stat that said one in four children play out regularly on their street compared to their grandparents' generation where almost three quarters said they played outside a few times a week. Children today have reported being told to stop making noise, playing ball games, and climbing trees when playing outside. And I thought that was really interesting Um, because even when we talk about playing outside, um, sometimes we tend to think just like a very um, modern structured playground. But 
really the foundation of this research and this movement and this episode is more than just, okay, take your kids to the like paved, structured playground, but like actually get out in nature, get in the woods, um, find nature playgrounds. And actually, let me just transition there. Um, so some, some statistics here about nature specific. I know a lot of people are like, um, you know, well, oh, the playgrounds of decades ago were dangerous or, you know, playing in, in nature could be dangerous. And there always are. I mean, there's, there's bugs, there's snakes, there's, you know, um, um, physical things that they have to learn to overcome, you know, sticks and roots and logs and all of that. Um, but, the benefit from working through that. I know in my own, in my own kids, um, we really have ramped up how much we hike together. Not so much right now because it's hot and I'm very pregnant, um, but we hike together a lot. And just over the past year, I have seen them develop so much in their abilities to hike. Whereas once we could barely go a few steps and it's like, oh, I'm tired. I need a snack. I'm thirsty. And you know, they're stumbling over roots and they're not seeing things and they're just unaware of their surroundings. Um, after, you know, a, a good fall wind winter here isn't super cold. So we were still able to get out quite a bit. So after a good fall spring winter, here in Australia of us really trying to do a lot of hikes, I've seen their endurance is so much better. Um, their their balance, their ability to to walk different terrains, their observance is so much better. Um, but I, I found this one point that I thought was really interesting when a lot of people bring up the whole, well, like, oh, modern playgrounds are safer. Uh, this statistic from the Canadian Pediatric Society said that catastrophic injuries are lower on natural features compared to plastic post and platform playgrounds. Uh, during 2015 and 2016, 847 playground injuries represented to the Women's and Children's Hospital. Of these, approximately 70% are from falls from fixed equipment like monkey bars, slides, which I thought was just really interesting. Um... This was interesting too. Uh, the by Bienstock Playgrounds and Henderson Playgrounds research conducted uh, said that the average time a child is engaged in spontaneous play on a traditional post and platform play structure is 19 to 22 minutes. This can be as much as tripled on a natural playground. Um, and I have experienced that. You know, we go to your just your slide, swing, monkey bars. And my kids play on it for a little bit, but then they're bored. They're ready to move on. But we go to like a nature-based playground and they'll stay there all day. They're cre I literally can see their creativity soar in those different types of environments. So I just thought that that was really interesting. Um, a few different stats about physical activity. In 2016, the National Physical Activity Plan of the National Heart Foundation showed that one in five parents reported their children were inactive. One in five. And it said 7% participated in the recommended 60% of physical activity. So our kids just aren't getting the physical activity that they need. They're not getting outside. Um, you know, movement obviously is so important for their bodies, but so is sunlight. Um, there's another thing that I was reading here that said that when you get physical activity outside in the sunlight, um, that you're your likelihood of getting a good night's rest increases by four times. Um, you know, we, we struggle with our, our kids not sleeping well. 
And I get there could be so many factors that play into that. Um, But maybe one of those that you want to look at is like, how much is my child getting outside and burning that energy and wearing themselves out? You know, my son is five. Uh, He's actually pushing five and a half now. And uh, he still takes naps quite often, actually. Now, I don't like tell him like, oh, you have to go take a nap. But the way we've structured our day, we do have an hour and a half of quiet time. And he knows that's when he goes to his bedroom. And I just tell him, I'm like, look, bud, you can look at books, you can play, you can do whatever you want. Um, But more often than not, he will take a nap because... Or well, I think he just actually just falls asleep looking at books. Often I go in and he's got, got a book on his face. But it's because we have spent pretty much from breakfast until our quiet time outside running around. Um, and he's just, he's tired. And then he gets up from that nap and we go back outside. And then we come in at the end of the day. And after dinner and a bath, he's ready to go back to bed. So I have seen that. And I know for myself, I tend to sleep so much better when I am getting outside on a more regular basis. Another uh, statistic that I found, uh, some research, said that children who engage in just one-third more outdoor activities than their peers grow up to be happier adults. Natural play spaces make children more active and less depressed. Um, And there was just so many different statistics that were showing the correlation of how getting out in nature really helps lift the mood. Um, It helps battle things like anxiety depression, mental health disorders, which we see so rampant, not only in our world today, but really in these young children. I found some statistics um, just for Australia in general. This was done um, by a nature play organization um, here in Australia. It said that in 2015, so 2015 is like, I mean, that's pushing 10 years ago, but it said around one in 35 young Australians aged four to 17 experience a depressive disorder. One in seven, ages 14 through 17, experience a mental health condition. And one in 14, ages four to 17, experience an anxiety disorder. Um, And we know that in the past couple years, that has just skyrocketed even more. And that statistic, that research was showing that a lot of that is in direct connection to the decrease in outdoor time and the increase in screen time. And I found that very fascinating. It was also talking about the effects that being indoor has on the eyes. Um, Myopia, which is short-sightedness, it says myopia incidences in children have doubled since 1970, directly related to increased time spent indoors and lack of time outdoors. It is projected that by 2050, half of the world's population will be myopic, um, which is short-sighted. In 2014, 2015, again, these stats are a little outdated, but it said 26% of children were overweight or obese. They're just not getting the activity that their bodies need. This was really interesting too. Um, It said that on average, children 12 to 13 years old spend three hours during their week. So 20% of their waking time and four hours on weekend, 30% of their waking time on screens. Again, directly linking to levels of obesity, depression, All of these things, one in five children aged six to nine watch more than two hours of TV a day, and that increases in the category of ages 10 to 13. Um, And then this was another statistic here done here in Australia. The Australian Bureau of Statistics in 2012 said 29% of children 5 to 14 have a mobile phone, 45% of children 8 to 11 use social networking sites, and 95% of ages 8 to 11 access the internet. 
And I'm not here to say that, uh, you know, internet and screens are just the, the nemesis of childhood. But I am here to say that we are living in really an unprecedented generation, a time that like no other generation has faced before. Um, and we do not know the repercussions yet. We're starting to see some things and what we're seeing is terrifying, but we do not have the full evidence of what all of this transitioning from more of an outside get out play in these early formative years of childhood. We have yet to see the full repercussions that ha- that has in these children instead being more indoor, um, in front of technology on on an I mean hours and hours a day basis, um, but. I just I I thought that was so interesting, just some really interesting information as we are kind of wrapping up this topic on well why is it important? Why get your kids outside? Um there's just so many different ways. Why should they play outside? It builds confidence. Um you know, a lot of nature play is less structured than inside play. There are so many ways that you can interact. I mean, a stick is so much more than a stick. And I have seen that in my own children. I mean, to Knox, it's a sword. It's a gun. It's a fishing pole. To my daughter, it's a spoon for her to stir, you know, this soup that she's making. Or, you know, it's it's a baton. She's leading the orchestra. Um, there's just, there's so much open-ended play. So it builds their confidence as they're exploring that. Um, it promotes creativity in their imagination. Again, with the stick point proven. It teaches them responsibility. They're learning things in nature like, oh, this is how we take care of plants. Um, This is what a plant that's alive looks like. This is what a plant that looks dead looks like. You're interacting with other like living animals and bugs and seeing the repercussions of, okay, we need to be careful. We need to treat things gently. Be wise stewards of things. You know, you can't just hug the lizard that you caught in the backyard like you do your teddy bear or you might suffocate him. Um, It provides different stimulation. Nature at first can seem a lot less stimulating than a video game or a TV show or, you know, all the toys that the kids have inside. Um, But nature actually activates more senses. You can see hear, smell, touch, all of you is engaged in the experience of nature play. Um, And that's just so important for children. Again, while their brain is firing and making all these connections and developing and really laying the foundation of their person, it is so good in these formative years to get them outdoors. Nature also makes kids think. There's just, like we talked earlier, I mean, there's just wonder, there is observation, there is science, there is God everywhere you look. Um, So you're able to have some good discussions. You're able to think about things. You know, I know that something that we've been talking about recently with my children is habitats and different uh, places that animals live. And, you know, okay, well, well, why does the duck have webbed feet and the songbird doesn't? Um, and, And in just even simple conversations like that, we're able to take it to a deeper level of observation and learning and be like, okay, well, again, bring it back. God's perfect design. And, you know, this is why just that observation, that thinking, their mind is so engaged, um, not only in their play, but in the world around them. And then it reduces stress and fatigue. There is just so much, um, so many draws in our brains, so many distractions, so many, uh, you know, notifications and dings and, and things that just call for us. But there is something calming. I know for myself, when I need to just chill 
I, I go outside. You just whether you sit or you take a walk. Um, you know, there are just some days and I remember before I, I was I walked a lot when we lived in the States. I've kind of fell off the bandwagon now. Um, need to get back on that because it was so good for me. But I remember there were times where like my day was just it was busy. It was busy taking care of a lot of little kids and Simeon would come home from work and when he would just take over for thirty minutes and let me get outside and take a walk, like that had such a like washing effect on my mind. Like, okay, wash away the craziness of the day, calm down, anchor my heart. I tried to spend that time talking to the Lord. And then I would go back. I mean, 30 minutes wasn't much in the the, the escape of the day, but I would go back ready to face an evening and uh, tackle dinner and bath time and bedtime and all of those things, feeling so refreshed. So I know that if it does that for me, that it does that for my kids too. Um, just fascinating them with the outside world. So those are just a few reasons of why it's just so important Um, but our family has just loved taking this challenge. Um, I'd love to hear from you. Have you done the thousand hour outside challenge? Um, not many people in my friend circle have, but I know it's becoming a more and more popular thing. Um, so I'd love to know if you've done it and if you have, how did you celebrate at the end? Because I am on the hunt for some really good ideas. And, um, if you haven't, it might be something that you want to check out going into the new year. Maybe you want to do that more and you can find, she has an Instagram page too, and I will tag that down in the comments. Um, but they've got like suggested hours for people who live in cold weather conditions. I'm really hot, harsh weather conditions. You know, this is how you break it down month by month. Shoot for this many hours during like, okay, obviously North America, January is going to be pretty cold. So you're not going to get as many as you will in June. Um, but here for us, January's hot, which actually we still might not get many in January just because it is so hot. Um, but trying to figure out like, okay, how do we need to break down the year? How do we need to make this accomplishable? Um, but anyway, let me know if this is something you've done, if this is something that you want to try, I would love to hear from you. Uh, you can always engage with me on Instagram at no higher calling underscore email me at no higher calling podcast at gmail.com. But I just appreciate you ladies joining me today and I look forward to chatting with you next time. I hope that the No Higher Calling podcast has been a blessing to you. If so, please subscribe, share with your friends, and engage with me on Instagram at nohighercalling underscore. You can also subscribe to receive the No Higher Calling encouragement email on my website, which is www.nohighercalling.org. This includes podcast notes, what I'm reading, spiritual encouragement, a glimpse into my home, and some of my favorite products and resources. You can also enjoy more content on the No Higher Calling YouTube channel. I pray that this podcast will encourage you to fall more in love with Jesus and to be the Christian woman he's called you to be. Thanks for listening.